Welcome to ThoughtSpeak, the original Animorphs podcast dedicated to K.A. Applegate's sci-fi classic. My name is Michelle. And I'm Coleman. And we are back once again for another exciting episode of ThoughtSpeak, the original Animorphs podcast, as I said. <laughs> how many how many episodes do you think start with apologies for being gone so long? Every one of is ours. It, every single... Like, 75% at this point. <laughs> That's got to be a running theme. Just as much as Animorphs is a part of this show, so is us saying, hey, we're back. We're, we're, we've got more. That This wasn't the end. Actually still got a few more books to, to get through here, and then we can all go our separate ways. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we call it a, a running joke? Does that help things? It's like, oh, you're part of it. It's a, it's a, see- it's a running joke how little we put out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, uh, see you in six months for the next book. (laughs) You know, as infrequently as our release schedule is, we have some really, really cool and dedicated listeners, and that's the thing that brings us back every single dang time. And in fact, we we keep mentioning, or, or we have to keep mentioning our Patreon because it exists, it's still a thing, it's not quite what... I think anybody wants it to be at this point, but you know what? <laughs> it is incentive that keeps us pumping these episodes out, and you still have time to hop on our Patreon and really help us out, and that would seriously commit us to finishing this podcast this year. That's that's our biggest goal. And real... I think we can finish way before this year is out, but one great thing about a Patreon is, like many podcasts, we do have bonus episodes on there that are our private Thought Speak episodes. And you might have listened to one that we released last week or or slightly before this episode. And then we released that in public just to show people the kind of banter and, and witty takes that they're missing out on. By not being part of the Patreon. Oh, yes. It's definitely missing out on so much. And uh, the, you know what? The, the Patreon's super important to us because it is going to help us finish the show. And currently we've got three beautiful, lovely, super helpful uh, supporters on there that I want to thank. It's Andrew, it's Ben, and it's Daniel. And you guys have been with us since the start of the show way, 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 way back in 2014. And it's so awesome to read your names constantly and know that you they guys must are be, with us. They must be on the edge of their seats waiting to hear how Animorph ends, waiting <laughs> yeah. for us to review it. It's, it's definitely been something that they've, they've held off on just for us right <laughs> yeah just reading along i'm surprised at how many people um and this is leaving patreon just talking about animorphs in general how many people are finding our show and even finding the series nowadays because it's been gone for so long and they've done a few reboots or, or they've re-released i love the goosebumps does this too but they re-released the first six books as like a, a tin that you can buy and it's got the first six books in it. it's got animorphs in the front oh yeah super um, cool yeah, and so they're doing things like that. And then obviously we have the graphic novel going right now, which I saw that in like in the front center promotional console of my main comic book shop I go to last week. And they had the third book on there. And it's just it's just nice to see that Animorphs is still alive and people are, are discovering the books for the first time and, and then hopefully jumping over to our podcast because all of our competitors ended their read-throughs like six years ago. So. <laughs> It's just us now. We're, we're going for longevity. That's been our strategy this whole time, secretly. War of attrition, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that's cool because people are going to continue to find this series, hopefully, you know, as, as the various re-releases, reboots, reimaginings happen. There's going to be eventual movie news that I don't 
unfortunately think you and I are going to de- uh, delve into talking about in any of these uh, episodes to come, but you, you never know. We talked about, you know, like even if we go on to another podcast or, or just, you know, split ways and, and do, you know, do our own thing. I feel like we could come back every once in a while and just be like, Hey, I, I guess they greenlit a, an Animorphs movie. Let's talk about that for 15 minutes and throw up an episode, you know? Yeah, um, you know, maybe more like the private thought speaks, a uh, little more informal, I guess, a little less structured, just kind of free well, the chat. Way we, well, the way we're hosting the podcast, it never has to go away again. We it, Previously, we post, hosted on a private server, and we eventually had to end that just because we weren't recording episodes, and our lives were getting incredibly complicated, and we didn't want to pay for that anymore. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't cost-effective, yeah. Yeah, but now our hosting is basically not a factor, and we can just leave these episodes for anyone to find in eternity until until World War Three or Apocalypse. You can find your good old Thought Speak podcast there, and listen to it. There was a, the a point episode. in time, you're right, where um, it was really important for us to get ratings and reviews, especially through iTunes, to kind of grow the show. <laughs> and and we were doing very well at that for, for quite a while. Uh, until I think all of our ratings and reviews got wiped from the internet. Most of the internet sites, I believe we, we had amassed, you know, a good 20 to 30 really positive five-star review ratings. And I, I just unfortunately think most of them are gone now. And I don't really care about ratings and reviews at this point anymore. Like we're going to finish the show. We're going to do it on our terms and at our pace. And I really hope that, you know, in time, the show proves to have been a overall success. <laughs> yeah, at least it'll be, you know, we did not start the idea of reviewing Animals podcasts. There were YouTube, there were a, like one or two YouTube shows before us and a couple websites that, you know, had every book reviewed and talked about and, and usually with some kind of funny banter. But we we call ourselves the original Animorphs podcast because we were the first to really do it in podcast form, like on iTunes as an actual podcast with artwork and, and you know, structure and all that. So it's it's cool that we're finally coming to the end and we might end it and, and just have that live on as, as a legacy of continuing the conversation about Animorphs. And I, I feel like one thing I will give us credit for, whether it's on the Animorphs subreddit or just in podcasting form, it really s- seemed like we started a new conversation about Animorphs at a time when people really weren't talking about it. And I'm, I'm pretty proud of that without being egotistical or anything i just i think you know we kind of jump-started that a little bit and i'm absolutely excited about the prospect of being able to say that yeah i i have a podcast that is done and complete it is you know six, mm-hmm. 60 plus episodes and it it's just it it's its own whole thing and anytime i tell somebody that i do a book review podcast specifically about animorphs i i get one of two reactions it's they don't give a crap or Oh, I, I used to read those. I love that. And then I get to tell mm-hmm. somebody else who I didn't know, you know, had this connection to it. So that's yeah. Cool. And I, my goal as a podcaster is to actually have that podcast that is a, a weekly or a regularly scheduled staple where it just accrues episodes quickly because you go a year of podcasting on an actual schedule and you get, you know, you're over 100 episodes at that point. You got a lot of content, so, like hours, so many hours of content. Yeah. A book review podcast is very different from a lot of other podcasts in the sense that you can go on for hours talking about, you know, even a children's middle grade book. You can pull a lot of content out of that. And so episodes tend to be more in-depth and longer, but they also take more 
time just because you have to read the book in between episodes and and do some research into trivia and and we got really i got really into creating artwork back in the day and and doing like, oh the the um, transitions uh in between yeah, the transitions in between our segments those are those i are still gone. love our fake garden oh yeah advertisements from, and from stuff. like episodes i don't even know 20 to 30 or something mm-hmm Good times. Uh, good times. Nope, nope. Yeah. The, now we're in the era where it's we want to get the show out quick and fast, and gone are the the between segue transitions. And fittingly, we're gonna move right into talking about this this episode's presentation, which is book forty nine, the diversion. Let's jump into it. We are so close to like the fifties. You know, we're we're winding down. We're in the final like six seven books and this one is is one that i frankly don't remember reading as a kid i think i had to pick it up in college later during our reread together <laughs> and let, let's start with the covers right this thing is like the one of the ugliest darkest shades of green and a pretty interesting cover morph with tobias going to a dog german shepherd and uh cringy kind of ghost-like human tobias <laughs> watches astutely in the background <laughs> well i think i think this book is so much about his childhood and he who he used to be and and everything like that i mean so many twice books are in general but they really went for it and was like hey are people gonna be confused about the bird turning into a dog <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Let's let's put a let's put a human. No. Let's just throw before, throw a thirteen year old kid in the background, and it'll make perfect sense. Yeah. The, so the inside cover has Lauren, Tobias's mother. I I um, can't believe that this is an accurate representation of Tobias's <laughs> mother. This looks like a Stepford wife got out of the house for a afternoon to go to the local Kmart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it depends. I mean, they they describe her living situation in the book as pretty rough. Obviously, there's plenty of blind individuals who can really put themselves together well and have perfectly great living situations, but she, hers is described, yeah, pretty rough. Yes, in, it uh, did not seem like she was as well put together as this image would have you believe. I like the attention to detail, though, in that the food items are all knocked over for some reason. I, I think it's because the kids were causing trouble. I don't like the attention to detail in the sense that there's no harness on the dog or anything. No, what is going on uh, with that? It looks like she's holding a leash, but they forgot to add in the leash. I don't think they forgot it. I think they came up with this idea and they're like, this is a really good idea. Let's let's do this. And they got all the way into the final phase. And then they realized that the dog on the inside cover, you can see them through the outside cover. So if they put a harness on it, it would look weird with the morphine from the front cover. And so maybe they just decided not to have the leash they should have just put the harness and leash in just the inside flap cover then because it's only the dog's head that's seen through the the front cover regardless or just have if you're if you're gonna do the awkward like looks like she's holding something like just put the leash up to the dog and then just don't have a harness like it would be weird but not as weird as ghost harness it is a really weirdly like photorealistic picture and style too and the the lady that is like up ahead in the aisle it's just it's it's a little too like weirdly real you know this is like a photo that somebody yeah, actually we promised ourselves 
before this episode that we would not sit on the cover and talk about it for like 20 minutes, picking it apart. You know what? This it's is exactly like the doing. most visual part that we can actually discuss. By the way, the front the front uh, quote on the cover was, this war can't go on forever. Will it be us or them? So I mean, somewhat fitting. more relevant than some of the other ones. Fitting. Yeah, I think it'd be much more relevant to say something about like, they know who we are now, or they know we're humans, or, or it's time to tell mom and dad. Uh, they they want to suck our blood. Again, just being in the marketing, I'd love to be a fly on the wall of the marketing of these books back in the day. Because this is a big book. This is not a throwaway side story. This is when the Yerks, you know, find out they're human or figure it out. And, and they tell their parents. To me, this is like something you, you've been waiting the entire series for it to happen. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, that's the biggest thing is this is like the story of them coming out as Animorphs to their families and it changes the mm-hmm. whole canon and dynamic and everything. Speaking of, do you want to read the back of the book? I don't have that in front oh, of me. Oh, you're right. You, you, don't. Uh, you know what? It's I... my thing from now on, right? Yeah. I do want to comment on something you just said, though. It's a shame we don't get the line from like Cassie's mom or something is like, have you tried not being an animal? <laughs> sure. There's this great little conversion place that I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that wouldn't be Cassie's parents. That maybe like Marco's dad or something. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, Jake's parents, right? Jake's parents seem like the, that, the most. They, they're the ones. The okay. So here we go. I'm going to go into the back of the book for you to let y'all know what this one is about. The Yerks are finally starting to realize that the Andalite bandits are probably not aliens at all. They're finally starting to realize that maybe they've been dealing with humans all along. And no one, especially the new appointed Visor One, is happy with this knowledge. Not happy at all. When Tobias, the other Animorphs and Axe, realize that the Yerks are about to find them, it's by accident. But that doesn't make the discovery any less serious. Because in a war, one side wins and one side loses. Yeah. That that doesn't actually pretty... go into detail about them, like, you know, including their parents in anything. It doesn't. And maybe they just didn't want to spoil how far it's going to go and, and reveal. That might be. But, you know, it doesn't even mention anything about Tobias's mom, which I would say are, are the two biggest plot points in this this whole story. Tobias's mom is is the biggest plot point. All of the as exciting as they are, all the reveals to their parents are ancillary and, and the second story, you know? Yeah. And these these back of the book summaries, I think we discovered really take some liberties, especially in the last couple of books on accurately describing the plots. Could be that, again, they just don't want to reveal, you know, spoilers. But anyway, well, let's jump into the book itself. That, that uh, might be a good idea. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the last book uh, kind of left us off with some big continuity changes in terms of, like, the, the Hork-Bajir Valley being discovered and them kind of moving in towards civilization. And, you know, things are, like, starting to move a little bit in in the the way of you know not good things are happening so (laughs) fittingly this book starts with a predator this rattlesnake that is moving into tobias's meadow and we get a little bit of his insight as you know he's supposed to be living the life of a predator he hunts in his valley like normal and he's got to deal with this predator that's moving in on him so it it results in him you know kind of 
having to strategize and, and take tactical retreats and such. But he's lucky because he's got a, a hot human waifu that brings him fast food. So, Well, besides the Rachel comment, it's like a analog for the story we're about to read. Yeah, exactly. And the the Rachel scene is actually kind of cute because, you know, she brings him a little burger and feeds him. And he has to eat some of it as a hawk, but he still morphs to human to, like, actually enjoy the flavor and taste of it. It's a nice little detail. And they get to have a little, you know, private time together. And that's just, like, the, the intro chapter. Because the main stuff really starts to come down when, again, the whole team's at Cassie's barn. And the main plot point is introduced that there was a break-in at the gardens, but the only thing that was stolen was some animal blood samples. So this leads the team to kind of debate and conclude that the the, the Yerks are up to no good once again. And Well, the animal blood, you know, Ocean's Eleven-style theft tied with the sharing doing a blood drive and obviously taking human samples yeah those two connective tissues are like hey they might suspect some humans be more <laughs> so it it all seems like all facts are pointing towards the the sharing and the yurks are like studying human blood right and our team pretty quickly concludes that you know they're they must be looking for animal DNA because they suspect the humans, right? And now it, it turns into this sort of infiltration kind of information gathering style mission. The only thing is they don't quite know where they're heading to yet. Axe has to do this, like his computer hacking stuff that he always does, right? Which he does like at the beginning of every book now. They just they just say, Axe is going to hack it. And then we know where to go. Basically, they roll, the K applicants, they, they rolled the dice at the beginning of each book. <laughs> And either Axe was going to hack something, and then they found out where their first mission was, or Eric, the android, came to them and, and told them where their next mission is. Oh, yeah. They, they so. get a lot of exposition or, or like, ex machinas, right, where, where they advance the plot through, you know one of those tropes it's mostly like a little cutaway so that tobias can get out and do a little bit more monologuing and continue to reiterate that he is being pulled more in towards being closer to humanity again and he's got to do his hunting like in people's backyards and so he's getting shot at and getting close to humans is always a little dangerous for him because they tend to find new ways to hurt him but he goes to check in on the axe hacking that's happening with marco and it's always a great combo to see these three together because now marco is like unemployed marco and he's hanging out with axe <laughs> and his scoop and he's bored off of his mind and he's like you know wanting to go on missions now just because he's got nothing to do <laughs> yeah we, we really see you can't blame you can blame animorphs for some things but you can't blame them for character arcs because Marco went from not wanting to be an Animorph or, or upset his life to Just now. To being like the most diehard even... member who would do anything to save his mom. Yeah, who's who's done the most drastic things for the Animorphs and, and the biggest missions, like going after top of the Yurk leadership and everything. So, <laughs> you know, he's in a very different place in his life. Now. Exactly. Well, and it didn't take long for Axe once he started his hacking to find the, the one blood bank in town that was like super encrypted by Yurk technology. So that was kind of a dead giveaway, and the team is on the case, and it's uh, a total infiltration 
style mission that we've kind of seen before. Except now, like, the Yurk security tech is all the best, and it really feels like they've got to pull out the stops in order to do these infiltration missions. They can't just morph, fly, and go in through the window like they used to. They've got those special Gleep biofilters. I think that's what they were called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. But we get a fun scene where basically Rachel and Tobias are, are morphing hork trying to blend in and just, you know, go unnoticed. And like so many of these recent episodes, it's not just normal hork who are hanging out there. It's all a bunch of blue bands, which are uh, supreme. So it doesn't go as well. <laughs> as their infiltration had hoped. The, I think they, they, they find their way in because, like I said, they, just, they don't care about like the delicacies of these infiltration missions anymore. So they have Rachel go elephant and just be like, all right, you do your thing, Rachel, and, and cause that distraction. And cause distraction, and it, 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 yeah. It allows um, them to sneak in quickly enough to be able to find those blue band hork and they're like, yeah, it's like one of those cool infiltration espionage missions where they quickly find their way into the computer area and they're BSing, you know, trying to gain entry to these areas where they wouldn't normally be allowed so that Axe can get to his hacking on the, the main computer station, right? Kerman Axe. And, and it's it's the, the typical battle scene that breaks out here because the Yurks quickly catch on and Axe has to do his computer hacking while the other Animorphs are kind of like fighting everybody off. And the, the real takeaway here is that Axe is able to find that the Yurks don't have a whole heck of a lot of data that really pertains to them. But they did find a... a like DNA blood match to uh, Tobias surprisingly. And it's his mom. Yeah. Which, I mean, it makes sense that in this reveal, Tobias is the one they find because he's the one who can't be, you know, tracked down. He's not living at his uncle's house or anything, which we never find out what happens to his uncle and his aunt. Probably killed by Yurk, or, or at least infested. <laughs> I, I think it's um, since they found it's heavily this. implied, right, that Tobias just doesn't care about them, so he doesn't he doesn't even consider going to check in on them in this book. No, but they go back to Cassie's and have another meeting and decide the whole blood thing is going to get their families captured, and now it's time to bring them into the fold and uh, tell their families that you know we're super. Yeah. So the. That's fun. The yeah. act one of this book really sets up those plots of, okay, we found Tobias's mom and we got to come out to our parents. And that's where we're going from here. <laughs> yeah. And Tobias not having parents to tell, except for his newly found mom, who he knew was probably alive, but had no address or, or knowledge of where she was and is pretty torn up to find out that she lives right down the block from where he was living with his uncle. Pretty messed up. Yeah, so so really, really close and never came to visit him or anything, but he soon finds out that she's living not only closely, but still in a bad part of town, rough neighborhood, and she's blind, which is pretty a pretty new information to him. Yep, and, you know, we already talked about the seeing-eye dog from the cover. It obviously belongs to her, and she's like... You know, seems like a, a wholesome enough person works in a, like, crisis response center. And Tobias is just super conflicted about the whole thing. But Well, it sets him off down this path of, like, he already felt unwanted his whole life. And now he finds out that his mom was just down the street and literally wasn't going 
to see Yeah, it starts to think about what could have been and why it wasn't. But the the act two quickly begins with the whole team again meeting up with at Cassie's and deciding that they're going to do it. They're going to tell their parents and Cassie's parents are the ones they're going to start with. These scenes are probably the the best part of the book, to be honest with you. And they they start with Cassie's parents. It's just a funny scene from the beginning because this was the one that I think they put the most time and effort into. Tobias flies over and talks to Cassie's mom on the porch and she, of course, thinks she's going insane or it's a prank and this is like a crazy animal or something. So Tobias is demorphing or morphing to human to try and convince her. Cassie comes in and starts uh, morphing wolf to show them. Cassie's mom kind of physically assaults Axe. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't physically assault, but she she inappropriately uh, rests her hand on, a, on his Hank? Honk? Hunch. Hunch. I'm I'm actually I got that a page dog eared and I want to read it really quick. Ooh, we haven't had a, an animorphs reading. In no, a while. we haven't, and we need to bring them back, frankly. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> this is Cassie and her mom. Amazing. Cassie's mom reached out and ran her hand across the blue fur on X's rump. Mom! Cassie snatched her mother's hand away. Would you play with Jake's butt? Of course not. Then quit playing with axes. There you go. To be fair, Axe is naked, so he's obviously living more by animal rules than, you know, civilized. Sure, society. you know, it's it's a shame they um, didn't really go into Andalite clothing other than the the very small mention of it in the Andalite Chronicles with the shoes and socks thing. Well yeah, and don't they have jumpsuits or something? I thought I thought like like uh fighter pilots had like jumpsuits. Oh, you know, I remember that being mentioned somewhere. I don't distinctly remember that, I gotta say. <laughs> well, again, Cassie's parents got the hands down, like, best, most thought out introduction to the Animorphs, because, like I said, they got multiple morphs demonstrated for Mr. King, the, the head chi guy, comes in and gives them, like, a hologram explanation. It's, like, super detailed, and Cassie's parents are, like, cool right they're 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 cool parents but in contrast next they go to rachel's house and that's like an entirely different situation because her mom is a workaholic you know i don't know bureaucratic style lawyer right she's a lawyer yeah Yeah. and and she's like not easy to convince at all and of course they did it in probably the dumbest worst way with rachel just straight up going bare in front of her to try and convince her. I don't know what they were thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. But it's just a very night and day difference from Cassie's parents. Cassie's parents were almost more curious once they bought into the sci-fi trope <laughs> of of the story. And, and uh, Rachel's mom is just really just stick in the mud. I like how my life is now. I don't want to believe in an alien. Yeah, there you go. And then Rachel's sisters think Axe is a Pokemon which is a nice little reference to they <laughs> added in there. They they more or less kidnap Rachel's whole family and and that they're go for that. Next they try yeah. to get Jake's family, but they arrive at his house and his family's actually gone and there's a moment where Jake's like fine with that. He's, you know, still confident that it's going to go fine, but Tobias is a little worried it seems like. Well, I want to I want to lead into this one cool. a little bit because while Cassie's parents are definitely the longer explanation and probably the scene we've been waiting for from all of them of really like laying out what's going on and, and that they're anamorphs and that this is real and alien invasion and all that. 
Jake's is more of a, he's jazzed himself up on the car ride over to tell his parents. And he's so hopeful that he's going to be able to get them out. And, oh man, we're going to go after Tom and we're going to starve his yerk. And Tom is finally going to be free after all this time. And then there's just a little edge of cynicism once they get there and his parents are gone he's like oh well they were probably they're probably just out to dinner or you know they're out together it's fine Mm -hmm. they're coming home and man they're i mean to me it's the most exciting part of the book when this ambush happens and jake has to go full you know animorph like real warrior animorph he realizes that his parents have been taken they've been infested for how long who knows but tom brings them back they come with uh backup and it's just this really badass moment where they're fighting them and trying to survive, but Jake just stops and he demorphs, and he demorphs to show them that. No, I think had he morphs. He morphs Andalite. Tiger. Oh, I thought he demorphed. I thought they fought first and then demorphed. Oh no, no, he morphs. You're right. He morphs in full sight of them, but it's just this great moment where he's being like, "You've had the leader." of the Andalite bandits under your roof this entire time. And we're not afraid of you or the war that's coming. So it's just, it's just, a, it's a really, really badass moment that it feels like the whole series has been building up to something like this happening. And it's so well executed. I mean, it's, it's, it's really the, it makes this book a must read if you didn't think. Yeah. It it's, it's a you know? huge um, twist really. And it's honestly like the first thing to really go wrong. The first wrench in their plan is that they don't yeah. save Jake's family. Yeah. They're just gone. That's very cool. A- after that though, <laughs> it, it transitions for Tobias. This is a great little point for Tobias to take a break. Like, Oh, you know, leaders, family's just been captured, but I better go check it out on my mom again. And this time Marco and Axe come along and they're going to help him out, spy on, on his mom. And the best way to do that is through her guide dog, whose name is Champ. And they follow her to a grocery store. Cause they've got this plan they're going to concoct and it, it's it's really a good example of like something very serious in the story happening with them not rescuing Jake's family. And then it goes into like a more comedic scene with Marco and Axe trying to, you know, not really menacingly terrorize this poor lady in this store to, to complete their little plan here of switching out the dog. But there's some really great Axe dialogue, too, when we get to this point. I mean, one of my favorite parts of Animorphs is when you realize that, I mean, they could have written these kids as constantly being warriors and and saving the day and everything. But they are just kids and they get into these wacky situations where everything's falling apart and the mission is screwed. And, you know, they still maybe pull off something or do something else, but they they're just scrambling to do anything or, or to you know make it work and it's just okay it's a I, tone that i've really again i i want to pause very quickly for a reading and it's you know we don't do enough of these so <laughs> this, is, this is axe acting a fool and and trying to play the role of a, a thug in the grocery store here a lone cashier manned the counter axe settled up next to him do not worry he said we are irresponsible teenage hoodlums possibly gang members, but you are not in any danger. The guy gave Axe a blank stare. His gang's from out of town, I explained. That's that's one part, the first part. Next part. Ah, Axe nodded. This is where they're, they're terrorizing Lauren. She does not understand how menacing we are, 
He tapped her on the shoulder. You do not know me, he said, but I am a juvenile delinquent. I do not trust authority figures. I probably will not graduate from high school. And statistics say my present rowdiness and vandalism will likely lead to a more serious crime. I am a dangerous fellow, and I am causing mayhem in this store. (laughs) So that's the kind of tough talk that Axe thinks he can employ to intimidate this poor old blind lady. (laughs) Axe really... I mean, he just showcases... You can tell that Kay Applegate, both authors, were were so into Star Trek because he's the perfect Vulcan. You know, it, it, if you look at, like, oh, Star Trek Oh, Ford, the, the, the e- emotionless, rational people, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry. I guess you should have explained Vulcans. No, that's uh, what I'm here for. To, those of us <laughs> might Yeah. But there's uh, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, has uh, Kirk and, and Spock go back to our time, 1980s San Francisco. They travel back in time, and, and Spock had just lost his memory because he came back from the dead, so he's back to full logic Vulcan. And just him walking around San Francisco and, like, talking to humans and, and <laughs> you know, trying to logically determine what everybody's doing and stuff, it's, it's absolutely... Um, and I and I know great. that the Applegates would appreciate that reference immensely. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's one hundred percent what they based Axe oh, off of. So good, good call. Yeah. So the plan here yeah. is is to switch Champ out with Tobias in Champ Morph, and this is a, a actually really sweet kind of moment for the story, uh, a tonal shift where Tobias goes home with his mom, and she obviously doesn't know that anything's different, but he gets to kind of look around her apartment and assess her living situation and who she really is. And, you know, he's worried that the Yerks have already gotten to her and all this stuff. And we get the, the backstory uh, reveal because he finds an old insurance letter that details Lauren's amnesia and everything that she kind of uh, went through medically after the events of the Andalite Chronicles, right? Yeah, which is why she didn't go to visit her son. Like she, she vaguely remembered that she had a son, but not where he was, and she kind of just hoped he was happy. But I, I really like that we get kind of Lauren's full story throughout the series, just in bits <laughs> and pieces. Obviously, Andalite Chronicles is the biggest chunk. Yeah, of that, she hasn't but... had a good run, really, as as far as characters no. in this series go. Um, well, she, I mean, she gets a big redeemer well, here. That's true. Let's all just, it's Tobias and her and Axe's brother. It's just, it's just three kind of tragic tales of people in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Oh, good call. (laughs) And, and in this situation, you know, Tobias finds out what he does about his mom and he's trying not to have any hard feelings, but he waits up till she wakes up in the morning and he has a nice little talk with her introduces himself and, and asks why she wasn't there for him and you know she she tells him basically what you just explained how she lost her memories and and didn't really know her son and furthermore was like blind and and felt incapable of raising him properly so we kind of we kind of see it from her perspective we we don't get the impression that she's bad right and he gives her the very simple instructions to just stay inside for two days and then go to the park and we'll meet up with you later advance that plot at another time (laughs) yeah well we it's nice that they do the little test to make sure she's not infested pretty pretty Um, necessary at this point really 
Yeah. But Tobias has a great scene with Jake, who obviously is still dealing with the trauma of what he just went through with his family. But he tells him that he wants to save his mom. And Jake tries to fight it, but basically tells him, just don't go alone. Take Rachel. You know? Yeah, take Rachel when you when you G- Got a suicide mission? Have a Rachel. Yeah. But Rachel is, is back in the Horkbajir Valley, helping her family. Yeah, adjust to living with Hork Bajir. Again, yeah, again, and, great comedy uh, scenes a, for, for this book. Yeah, well, it's like the kids are really into it, but she's she's not the camping type. So it's it's going to be an adjustment. Yeah, exactly. Well, they, they do the thing where they monitor his mom for enough time, and then it's finally time to go save her. And they they do their meetup at the park, and it's very... The tension is building. The suspense builds in this entire scene all the way up to the climax here where Tobias is returning with his mom, and he's got this plan in place. And it's one of the coolest plans we've ever seen them enact here because he actually brought the morphine cube. Like, that's huge to be able to bring that out in public. Which, which outside of David... Have they given anyone else morphine capability? No, not yet. No. So th- this is, yeah, I'm so surprised that anyone was cool with the idea of Tobias casually hooking up his mom with this power. But that that's, you know, the plan. And it happens to work out because apparently it's, it's cool, you know, to acquire the DNA from somebody in morph. So... Tobias is really hastily sort of explaining the situation to his mom about the Yerks and who they are and why they're coming to kill him and how she has to use this power very quickly. And it, it's all very tense. And what I really liked... Well, it's, it's very it's very cool that she acquires... I mean, it's, it's awesome that she acquires him in Morph as a hawk, but it's also awesome that now Toba, Tobias and his mom have the same hawk morph. Just knowing where the story has been and and where it's going, it's cool that you know he got to share his. his it's talk like with the second mom, thing you know? they've ever had in common. Very nice. but what makes Um, it so tense is the whole time tobias is like trying to speed run his mom through the process of her first morph everyone all the should have just listened to thought speak all the other animorphs are outside giving him thought speak warnings like yo yurks are on their way you got to get out of there now stuff's going down (laughs) <laughs> and it, it's it's so tense and it ends with this yeah. scene this action scene where tobias is trying to coach his mom as a hawk to fly away oh we didn't even really get to to, to mention this but there's like this old lady controller who is kind of one of the like main villains for this book a sub yep. villain that is prominently featured and there's this climax involved with i don't know if it's her directly flying this chopper that's like going after the hawks and chasing all the animals i just imagine this like really old granny piloting an assault chopper chasing two hawks (laughs) through a city and that was kind of that's the climax of this book yeah and we have a, a scene where even though lauren uh, says she doesn't remember Tobias and, and doesn't recognize him uh, as her son. She does save him and takes a hit for him that that might have killed him because he's he's pretty rough in this not battle but you know this this escape. He almost dies like a couple of times, and so Lauren takes this hit for him and she doesn't know why she did it. But it kind of hints that you know maybe there's something left. 
That's still his mom. I think she's just a good person and was like, this person clearly saved me, re- restored my eyesight, because that was a big thing. As soon as she became the hawk, her eyesight returned, and it was like, whoa, flooded by senses. And, of course, is immediately yeah. in a, a fight-or-flight, life-or-death situation. So, yeah, she, she clearly has some residual feelings for him. But the, the really cool kicker thing here is that when she demorphs just in time by the way we, we she gets her first series demorph right in time to save my life situation and finds that her blindness is now cured which is a really cool way for mm-hmm. the morphing technology to be used potentially probably not at this late stage in the yeah series. which <laughs> which we need to we need our fans to let us know to me it seems like whether morphing cures certain disabilities or injuries is kind of been mixed a little bit so far. yeah i feel like we've gotten yeah we've, we've gotten a few things that's like morphine has not cured like long time disabilities and stuff so it's weird that this specific With blindness that said was it's it's gonna be really interesting because i know we're about to go into the auxiliary anamorphs book and I, I know they'll detail it more then, and they'll say specifically how it doesn't yeah, affect them after they demorph with their disabilities. And the, theirs might be... I, I've never read the Auxiliary Animorphs book. I just know what happens to them. But I've never read that book. So, you know, theirs could be mostly genetic or something they were born with. I think that's, that's why it was... Um, well, we'll find out. It doesn't rewrite your DNA. It obviously it just restores yeah, it. Yeah, and it something like her so. eyes was... That was a physical injury that she suffered. So that's why she lost her eyesight. Yeah, but I still think there's been other physical injuries and things that haven't been repaired by it. Maybe. So it's just, it's kind well, of up the, in the air. Well, the kicker yeah. here, the end of the, the epilogue, let's call it, is is kind of a high note, but also a little bittersweet. Everybody's regrouping now at the hork Valley new location, and Tobias is like, Happy to have his mom back, but there's this new dynamic shift with how he and Jake have sort of switched places in that now Jake is the one who doesn't have a family to go home to, and Tobias is kind of feeling the high of having his. So he, he, you know, tries to encourage Jake here by, like, being like, well, you're still alive, and they're still alive, so you can look forward to saving them now. (laughs) Yeah, I love I love that this Tobias book ended this way because not all the Tobias books are the are the greatest. I mean, I think they they're generally pretty good compared to how up and down some of the other kids have been story wise. But I love that his story started in the third book with him sleeping in Jake's, you know, a dresser in his attic and, and eating out of Tupperware. And then we have here at the end of the story him getting his mom back and he has family for the first time in the story that's you know actually still alive and and jake lost everything and so it's just man it's just it's it's too good it's too good of a of an arc and and thoughtful writing for for what should have just been a again a throwaway sci-fi well and now tobias has he's got his grounding back so to speak he's got something to mm-hmm. fight for again he's got a piece of humanity that is something that he can return to potentially he never had that that was his his differentiator from the rest of the gang was like he's involved in the war no matter what because he's got nothing to go to or nothing left to go to and he no home to go to so yeah like 
I, I really immensely enjoyed this book, probably more so the first time I read through it. And then going back through it, it was, it was still fun. It's just the, the real fun part of it, I think, is experiencing those big story beats with the team coming out to their parents and then the, the resolution here with Tobias's mom. Yeah. Yeah, you got a you got a score to go along with you. Yeah, how about it? Should we? Should yeah? Let's okay. Can I? And you just jumped into you're like right, a review, you're right? So. And I'll expand yeah, on yeah. that, and then yes, I, I will give it a, a number. So, like I said, I I really enjoyed reading this book. Every time I do, I I I enjoy it. I guess. <laughs> so what it does is change the continuity. Everything's ramping up in terms of things happening that changes the continuity. Tobias got his mom back. Like, it's all good things going on from here. And I just consistently enjoyed the whole book. The act one, I guess, is maybe the weakest with the whole infiltration. Gives us our plot, sort of, for a setup. But the the second Mm -hmm. part and the overall most of the third act... I think are really solid. Some of the best Animorphs books. And like you said, Tobias's books are always really consistent on quality. I think, I think his tend to not give us like filler or, you know, Tobias is not going to be turning into a starfish and multiplying or whatever. His books are a little bit more serious and this one absolutely is. And I, I just, I feel so optimistic about it. I can't, give it that perfect five. I don't feel like it's perfect, but it is a solid Animorphs book from start to finish. Definitely worthy of four out of five helicopter flying grannies. Interesting. Okay. So I, I really truly believe that, you know, Catherine and, and Michael Grant, they really love these characters but out of the Animorphs I think they have a special place for Tobias I think not only is his story one of the most interesting ones of this kid who is immediately at the beginning trapped in a morph and has to figure out how to still be a part of this war but I think I think with the family stuff and and his personal life and and his ties to Axe's brother and Axe himself and and the Andalites I think they just really came to you know, have Tobias be one of their favorite characters to write for. And I think that's why his books are so consistent, like you said. And going into this one, you're right. The the beginning is is very Animorphs tropey. It's kind of what we expect. And even the end with, with Lauren is interesting and, and incredibly relevant to the lore they've built so far, but maybe not, you know, why I'd read the book, why I read this book and why I'll read this book in the future. Because this is my first time reading this book and that'll happen for at least a couple more and then we'll go into the end which i know super well but i was blown away by them telling their parents and and that just being something very few stories whether it be like movies tv shows books comics whatever earn the right to have you get so excited about certain events towards the end like maybe they'll throw a twist at the end or or some surprise or or they'll have some final fight with some villain that's really exciting. But very few get you excited to just even get close to the end. And Animorphs has earned the ability to get me just so enthralled with the idea of them just revealing themselves to their parents. This this big superhero reveal that, hey, we've been doing this for a while. And uh, yeah, the the Earth is under attack and now you're a part of this. And, and putting their 
parents' lives at risk. And then again, throwing that curveball with Jake and and him losing his family and that going so wrong. I mean, it's it's, it's really an incredible bit of writing and and makes this book stand out and and really throws us into the end and and has us heading in that direction much faster oh, yeah. than even a book ago. So I think we're actually completely on the same page where I, I wouldn't say this is a five-star book just because, again, the not weaker sections, but the the sections that are a little more normal and what you'd expect from an Animorphs book at this end of the series and how good the writing are is normally. So I'm going to give it uh, four out of five as well and four out of five traumatizing familiar <laughs> revelations. You know, you're, um, you're right, though. Like, if they yeah. hadn't included the Jake's family stuff going wrong side plot, this probably would have been a much weaker book if it had and focused entirely on Tobias's situation. Yeah, it's, it still would have been exciting having them come out to their parents. But having, I mean, honestly, I can't believe I never read this in the past because it's it's the most exciting badass moment jake might have in the entire series it's it's right up with some of the stuff he does at the end and and some of the stuff he does during the david chronicle just him staring down his brother and his now newly infested yerk parents and and morphing to tiger and and what that means and how it's described how it's written so it's it's, it's a highlight Especially of the series now that it, I, it I never is, knew i you missed know, something they've been trying to avoid giving their parents any information, you know, like you said, the big reveal, the superhero reveal is always so cool to see done in any, any narrative, but this is the series that we've stuck with for so long and to twist the format now and to break those old rules is really what gets me excited for the rest of the series to come because I know every book after that is going to continue shattering all of those rules that we'd spent the whole series building up and well it also sets up one of the coolest you know showdowns of the whole series of jake you know he's always been after freeing his brother but now it's him looking his brother's jerk right in the eyes and be like i'm coming for you you know it's finally them being at odds and and they're both aware of each other Oh heck yeah! Super cool. Yeah, that so, yeah. that is that's, that's the, <laughs> that the is diversion our review of Animorphs number forty nine, the diversion. And now, with that said, we finally get to move into the fifties with book number fifty, the mm-hmm. ultimate. And I don't recall this isn't the auxiliary Animorphs one, is it? This is the Cassie does the bad thing uh, book, right? Oh, I hope well, so. Well, neither have I. And I'm trying to discern um, if this is one that I've read or not. If it's if it's the Auxiliary Animorphs book, then I've read it and I love it and I'm super excited for it. I think it's the Auxiliary because it's it's the ultimate. Could it be both? Because it's a Cassie book. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I'm just I'm mixing up events in the... It has been over a decade since I've read this. So I think that's what we're getting yeah. into. It says the, the synopsis... Just to read a synopsis of the next book in this one. As the struggle against the Yerk intensifies, the Animorphs must decide whether to seek allies to help them protect their families and the free hork and defeat the alien invaders. What? So it sounds like... That was your summary? I have a, a different summary in the back of my book. 
This is the Amazon. Oh, oh let me read. Amazon let me read the one from the actual book. Like, if you just finished reading the diversion and and the ad for number fifty comes up, it says the newly intensified Yurk invasion has Jake depressed and unable to lead. With all the tension in the colony, it's up to Cassie to try something, and she does a new strategy that's as controversial as it is different because if it's a mistake, it's one they will not survive. So yeah, I think you're right. I think this is the Auxiliary Animorphs coming up, and that will be such a good book and a good review. Is there is there another Jake yeah, book, possibly? I, you ask me these questions, of course, when I don't have all the books in front of me, but I, I think we've got one more book for each <laughs> character to cycle through. And then they're all in the last one. So so it's probably the Jake book that oh, Cassie okay. does the thing, because I, I know she does it for Jake, and, and, and he's super mad that's, about it. Very so close to the, the end of the book. series, yeah, like the second or third to the end, maybe. It's got to be like the fourth to the end because I've read the oh. last three, and I don't. I I it, the it was the the book I remember is right after Cassie. <laughs> well, speculating thing. about our memories of of whether or not something happened, I is probably not the best thing to rely on. So. Yeah, we're going to finish the series, okay? That's on the agenda. We've got a great book to review the next time we come back, and it's definitely going to happen. So I would ask uh, everybody to consider checking out our Patreon, right? And uh, coming back for the next episode. You want to wind this thing down? Yeah, and I believe the Patreon is patreon.com slash... There you go. I've gotten to the point where I don't even say it out loud because I don't want to say it wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. And just to to highlight for everyone, and and we can have this conversation right now, I assume we're reading the Elimus Chronicles. uh, Yeah, that was was what we decided on. As as the good Lord, the Elimus. It it um, makes sense, I think, most chronologically, if if we do that and then finish the series with the last book. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, we're getting there. We're right right here on the edge. And these are the books that are just so exciting to read and get into. And we'll try our best not to just give the next six. Oh, yeah. Good stars. good call there. Because <laughs> you know? they're probably going to be all the highest ratings anyway. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's good to know that the series left out. Uh, it went out on a bang. You know, it really did. Like, I mean, I mean, I know these things happen. I know Cassie does the thing. I know at some point they blow up the Yerk pool. I did not read those books. So I'm so excited to finally read them. Uh, it's amazing that I am actually reading with the podcast. I'm oh, not good. jumping ahead. So I've been I've been going with my reread of Animorphs for the last almost eight years, right along with Thoughts. Good. So well, I hope our listeners are at least reviewing the books a little bit beforehand, too. We certainly give you plenty of time to do so before releases. So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, we appreciate everyone's patience with us, and, and, you know, we say it every time, but maybe this will lead to us getting these out a little quicker. I do think we do have more time lately to really focus on this, so I will try to not let my work and, and home life and everything get in the way of us putting these out a little faster. And again, the, the Patreon really helps motivate us for that and, and getting through this so we can uh, If I only have to up. promote the damn so. Patreon for one more year, I, I can't tell you how happy I'll be. <laughs> so... Yeah, and then we'll be promoting a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, definitely. For the next we can move on to another one. <laughs> Please let us let us make that happen, folks. Yeah. And until next time, come on yeah. back for another helping of Thought Speak. I've been your host, Michelle. And I've been Coleman, and we'll see you on the next one.